Today's episode is being sponsored by Swiss Hospitality Guild. SHG is a training center created to meet the strong demand for specialized hospitality staff. This training concept was born from the experience and expertise of its founder, Egidio Marcato. Egidio has become a reference in the world of hospitality coaching and has had success stories in skills championships, including Swiss skills, Euro skills, and world skills, as well as the AICR World's Best Receptionist Competition. Contact SHG at www.swisshospitalityguild.com. Good afternoon and welcome to 50 Shades of Hospitality. This is Crystal Cabin, your host. Today we are very pleased to welcome Rocco Bovo to our program. Welcome, Rocco. It's a pleasure to have you on our podcast today. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you are currently doing? Good morning, Crystal. Thank you very much for your invitation. Very kind invitation. I am uh, speaking from Mexico at the moment. That's where I live. And I'm very happy to be with the audience and with you today. I'm Italian of origin. I'm 52. This year I turned 52. And uh, I've been working in the hospitality industry for about 30 years. And currently I work as a consultant here in Mexico. So you've been in the hospitality business for quite a long time. And you've worked uh, all over the world, including Singapore, Malaysia, Oman, Mauritius, and now in Mexico. Can you tell our listeners more about your global career and what are some of the highlights of this global career? Wow, that will need a, a special uh, session of this uh, <laughs> of this podcast. You know, everything has been an highlight in my life, so I cannot really tell you one in particular. Probably the highlight of my career was meeting my wife, who is a, a principal supporter, you know, of my career because uh, you know she she has been following me over over the past uh, twenty seven years, and uh, she helped me become who I am today. So I cannot discredit that. You know, my, my dream since young was actually to travel the world. And when I found a, a work that could allow me to do this, then it was, a, I think it was the perfect match. And uh, from the time I, I landed in London in 1995, then I, I graduated in a hospitality school. You know, from that point onwards, it was just, uh, you know, from good to better and more and more. And you know, until I, I landed finally in Mexico, you know, where I've been living now for six years or so. Very happy of, uh, of my life and career so far. And um, were you in more in reception? Were you in uh, office, uh, back office? Were you doing more food and beverage? Actually, I did start as a waiter, you know, even in my hometown, which is a touristic hotspot uh, uh, in the south of Italy. I used to work as a waiter at the beginning of my of my working life, and then slowly, slowly, I I got into more supervisory level. Then I got the responsibility to manage my first restaurants at the Jumeirah Beach Hotel in Dubai, and then FMB manager, FMB director, hotel manager, and then general manager. So I grew up through the ranks of food and beverage in particular. But you know, when you start to get into in general management, then you need to know a bit of everything. So you get involved in in all area of the hotel operation and administration. You also need to know your numbers. You need to understand about HR. You need to understand about sales and marketing. 
So, you know, after a while, then you start to get uh, more acquainted with the 360 degree of the, of the business. Yes, and that's true, Rocco. We've heard that from quite a few of uh, the people that we've interviewed, how they have been able to start working very simple entry-level jobs and then work their way up. And we hear this often, that this is a great way to then become a general manager because you've basically seen it all. How has your global career shaped your ideas about hospitality? You know, actually, my first job uh, overseas, uh, when I mean overseas, I mean outside of Europe, it was actually in uh, Egypt. And that was still at the early stage of my working life. So I was already in London and I was already exposed to the international hospitality, being in London, of course. But then for the first time, I went outside of Europe and I went to work in a resort called Sharm El Sheikh, which is in Nama Bay in Egypt, in the Sinai Peninsula. And when I was going diving, nothing to do with my work, but when I was going diving, I could see hundreds of construction of hotels, you know. So I asked the captain, I said, what is this? Oh, they're all all hotels, 50, 60 kilometers, one after the other, hotel after hotel after hotel. And then one day I said to myself, if only here you have so many hotels, can you imagine how many more hotels you have around the world? And that was basically the little lamps on top of my head. I think I have got to do something here. You, are, you have opportunities, not just in Shama Sheikh, probably in many other parts of the world, in the Middle East, in Asia, in Caribbean, and so on and so forth. And those days, if you remember, <laughs> I'm talking about the early, the early 90s, if you call a toll-free number of a hotel company, they will send you their booklet, you know, with the, all the directory of all the hotels that they have in the world. And I started to call every hotel company that there was in London, and I had hundreds of these booklets in a, in a big box. So I was educating myself just like that to see new hotels opening, and, and I said, no, I've got to do something here. So I went, I went to school, you know, I went to a, to a hotel school, I registered to a hospitality course there. And after I graduated, I started my international career. You've said that you have worked in HR. When it comes to hospitality recruitment, you've expressed your opinion that the industry is still using a Stone Age process, which is causing many talented people to give up on our industry. Can you elaborate on this? Sure, Cristali. I did not work directly into the HR department but as a manager i need to be also an hr manager you know when you recruit interview uh, even talk to people manage manage and lead groups so you need to understand what hr management is all about but then i discovered two or three things that really let's say emerge from all these 30 years of experience number one is that they all ask you the same question 99.9 percent of people ask you exactly the same questions when you go for an interview. So what do you discover about the person that you don't already know that is written on the CV? Very little. Number two, we only look at the experience and skills rather than the person itself. And uh, that's not so much uh, all the fashion. It's actually became more recent, let's say probably in the last 10 years, that a system, a computerized system, actually screen the CV, before they actually get to a person. So it's called ATS. So they, if me, for example, whoever is going to make a CV that doesn't have certain keywords, you're done. You will never, ever get the chance to actually 
be put in front of a human being, and therefore <laughs> a great talent is lost because he will never get the job because the ATS is being programmed to read certain keywords that maybe I didn't think of putting them. I cannot change my CV every single time I make an application. Come on, let's get real. We are human, but sometimes we, we look like we are people from the cave that we don't use our brain. Anyway, it's a bit frustrating, but it's, it's becoming now the current problem in hospitality and probably other industries, not just hospitality. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we know that this is happening more and more and more and more people, they send off a CV, they never get any kind of answer back. They're just forgotten. And yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty depressing. Rocco, what are your views on hospitality education? Why do you think hospitality schools are not attracting and retaining students? You see, my son is studying currently in a hospitality school, by the way. So I know firsthand what's happening. You see, there are two kinds of students. And this, again, in any field, not just hospitality, I guess any field. There's the kind of student that doesn't know what to do in their life and they just go to university because they need to get a degree of something. Otherwise... They will get stuck in their life. They will never find a job, a proper job. And then there is the other type of student that, uh, yes, he, he or she does know what to do. Okay. For example, in my case, my son's case, he told me that I want to study hospitality management. And I told them, are you sure? You're not doing this because of me. You need to do this because you really want it. And he told me, yes, I want to do that. So great. Okay. So at least his mindset is clear. But then he goes to a school and because probably of my influence, because of hearing the story of my work, you, know, you're, you already know 50% of the stuff. So it's not really learning anything new or is learning something new, but not everything new. The kind of material that schools today gives are things that you can find online very easily. Nowadays, the student, the modern student, you know, my time, obviously, I had to go to a library or buy a book or buy a magazine. I had to spend hundreds of dollars or euros to get educated. Today, I can do it for free. In five seconds, I can get the information. Chat GPT, three seconds, it will give you a million answers, you know, about one topic. And we are still using books that probably were written 15 years ago by some expert in hospitality. But 15 years ago, is this prehistory? We need to get real. We need to get the majority of, uh, of teachers in schools have never worked in their life. <laughs> or maybe they have worked a little bit. What can they teach to young students if the last work experience was 15 years ago, 20 years ago? What can they tell me or, or my son or say you know, that I don't know or I cannot find out? Yeah, and what we have been hearing is that often a lot of these students are going to hospitality schools, they're coming out with a hospitality management degree, but that the practical learning and the practical experience is not always there. And a student graduating from a hospitality management school is not going to necessarily go right into a management position. They need to work their way up the ladder, but that sometimes those practical skills that they're learning in, this, in the schools are not enough or they're not... They're not teaching them, as you said, in the correct way. Do you know, Crystal, what I would do? Instead of sending the student for internship, I would send the teacher for internship. Every year, a teacher should go and work for three months so that they understand what's going on in real life. Simple. I'm not sure the teachers are going to agree to that, Rocco. Of course, and they will never agree. Of course, it's a, it's a beautiful life and why they should agree. <laughs> Come on. But do we want to change something in our industry or not? 
If the teacher is not okay with that, with this, then okay, then it's not supposed to be teaching. Simple. And have you ever thought yourself about going into hospitality education, teaching? Of course, I'm planning as a, my retirement, uh, you know, plan. Uh, so I can say that yes, I did work for thirty years or more, and then I can say I can teach you a few things probably. <laughs> but uh, but yes, later in life, I'm still too young. I think I can provide a lot more in the industry directly in the industry rather than outside of the industry. But every now and then I do some classes online, just like this one, for example. I participate to podcasts, so I try to share my knowledge with these new tools that we have nowadays, and hopefully reach as many people as possible. And they're free, by the way. So many of our podcast guests have talked about the ongoing difficulties of finding qualified and motivated hospitality staff, and as we've talked about before, of retaining talent. What should the industry and hospitality schools do to improve this situation? Well, I think the school we already discussed about what they should do. <laughs> I think this, if we sort out the school, we, which will involve a very little change, in my opinion, it doesn't need to be so radical, but we, we need to get teachers to actually teach students exactly what's going on in the industry and not they have to discover by themselves. Actually, there was one, uh, one director from, I think it was the Ecole Hotelier de Lausanne, and he actually claimed that uh, there is no shortage of stuff as such. And I said, what? Yes, there is shortage of stuff because we, we are auto-eliminating. <laughs> we, are, we are finding way not to reach to those talents. <laughs> of course, there is sh shortage of talent because everybody's going to work in other industry. You know, we lost millions of people in the world from the hospitality, great talent, people very passionate. And then suddenly when the pandemic came, what, what was the first thing that most company, if not, not, not all company, but most company, what they did, they just removed the payroll thinking that this was the, the biggest solution, you know, the easiest one. And today now everybody's crying because we cannot find stuff. So we are the culprit of what's going on today. We cannot blame the, the pandemic. We cannot blame any, anyone else. Not a single company in the world thought that maybe I should keep some saving for whatever emergency, like, like a normal family, you know? I'm sure your family, my family, we always keep a little, little bank, you know, a little account that this money is never gonna be touched except if there is a situation of emergency. Big company, what they did, Ah, they pay big dividend to the shareholders, everybody's happy, they open champagne, buy a new yacht and then have a nice villa in Côte d'Azur, and, uh, and then suddenly the big day came and there is no money. People say, no, we have no money. Really? No, I, I cannot stay silent on that. I just cannot stay silent on that. We know that many young people who go to a hospitality school end up working in other industries. So why do you think this is the case? Why are we losing so many people? Why are people not going into or staying in the hospitality industry? Listen, I think we know that since many, many years, even since my young age, you know, we used to be paid peanuts to go work, to be paid low, low salary because it's considered a low skill job. And it's true. You don't really need to be a genius to be a waiter or to be a, a, a cook or to be an housekeeper. You don't need to get a degree for that, definitely. But there are other types of skills that you need to know. And I, I think that this under-evaluation brings up the low-pay job. Now, 
one of the reasons why we need to change also the perception of the schools is that, uh, no, no, if you want to become a chef, you need to be very skilled. If you want to become a waiter, you need to be very skilled. If you want to become an housekeeper, you need to be very skilled because these are very specific skills. They may not be so technical, but along the time, you will learn so many things <laughs> that are very technical after all. I think, I don't know if the government needs to get involved into that or to get, you know, the, the, these low-paid or low-skilled jobs to be re-evaluated as a highly skilled job and be paid accordingly. The second thing, I think, also is that for many years or decades or centuries, the business model of hospitality has always been the same. I invest money, I make the money. <laughs> I share nothing. I just pay you what, what you deserve to be paid, you know, what the government decided is the minimum wages, and that's it. And this uh, business model for me is very wrong. It's time to make a change of the business model. If we don't do that, I think uh, that hospitality business cannot grow. That's a big risk. A lot of companies, they keep opening new and new hotels. If we don't change the business model as it is now, they won't be able to grow. <laughs> so something has to be done. Yeah, and for people that are traveling and going to hotels or going to restaurants, I mean, I've seen this already several times, and you have someone who is uh, in the hotel or in the restaurant who obviously doesn't have the skills or has not been trained enough. And, uh, you know, people, customers, after a while, after many perhaps negative experiences, the hotels and the, uh, and the restaurants are going to suffer because people won't go to those places anymore. They'll complain. They'll write bad reviews. We already are suffering. <laughs> it's only going to get worse. <laughs> Rocco, over the past 10 years, there has been a proliferation of new hospitality brands. Uh, what is your take on this? Well, I think it's inevitable to get a new brand. At the end of the day, let's talk about Marriott or, or Accor, which are probably the two best companies in terms of creating new brand or acquiring new brands. They, they had no options because the market is so segmented nowadays that you need to find your niche in each segmentation. And in order to find your niche in each segmentation, that means that you need to create something, brand, product, concept that is aimed for this segment in particular. So it's inevitable that this brand keep coming. And that's okay. You know, there is no, there's no harm in that. I think this is a trend that is going to continue. There is a consolidation more into this uh, back-to-nature, sustainable, eco-luxury brand or, or direction, let's say. So there is a trend in this, in this area, and more and more I get into this uh, new way of doing hospitality, finally. What I do hope that instead of building uh, 500, 600, or 1,000 room hotels, that we just go to a proper human-sized hotel that... Uh, allow people to actually be treated like a human being and rather than work like in a factory where you have to produce meals for a, a thousand people for breakfast. Another, I remember once I went for an interview at the Atlantis Hotel in Dubai. That was maybe 10 years ago. Imagine the two main restaurants. There are two main restaurants which were used like all day dining. There are two with about 500 or 600 seats each one of them. In order to queue, there were these uh, metal bars, like in airport, that you have to queue like a serpent, like a, 
like a, like a serpent. And I said to myself, what is this? Are we going to a, a staff canteen or, or, or what? <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> no, we don't need to do that. And then we have hotels that, that they run an occupancy for the year of 70%, 75%. Why do we need to run a 70% with a thousand rooms when you can build the 500 rooms and run 100%? No, maybe, maybe it makes more sense. Or you say, we are fully booked. We have no more seats we are, or no more beds. Sorry, <laughs> till next year, you know, or go somewhere else. That's where we created ourselves over tourism because we have more hotels so more people can come in the same spot instead of thinking, no, let me build another hotel, another smaller hotel, maybe 50, 100 kilometers from here so people can enjoy a new spot of the same country. No, everybody, I mean, I give you one example, Dubai, Cancun in Mexico, uh, Los Cabos. I mean, Los Cabos, there is no more space. Now they need to start looking for new, new location because they just built, 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 built. I mean, we are human, no? but sometimes I think we are aliens. <laughs> I don't know which planet we are coming from. Yeah, but I'm wondering, Rocco, if we don't need to perhaps educate tourists and people that are going places because, I mean, uh, me personally, uh, I think I've been once with my husband to a resort hotel and after the first uh, 20 minutes, both of us looked at each other and said, okay, well, this is the last time we ever do that. We prefer much smaller boutique hotels, family-run hotels. So I think it's also a question of maybe educating tourists and clients and customers. Yeah, it's a, it's a two-way, I guess. But it's also, at the end of the day, the big real estate company, that when, they, when they see an opportunity, flights are cheaper to go to a, one destination compared to another one. You don't need to travel from that airport, you don't need to travel another two or three hours to get to your second destination, blah, blah, blah. I mean, we, these are things that we all know very well that the convenience, when you go on vacation, if you have a four or five days, you don't want to spend, uh, you know, one day traveling. You want to spend as little as possible staying at the resort, at the beach, uh, you know, in the mountains or whatever. But it's also a two, it's, it's a two way thing. The real estate investors, hotel owners, uh, traveling companies and the tourism that need to be all educated. Rocco, the concept of sustainability has been mentioned in several of our podcasts. Why has sustainability become so important and what is the hospitality industry actually doing to make changes? Sustainability is now the keywords, <laughs> like for ATS and CV, is the keywords. So yes, finally, finally, when Al Gore Decades ago, mentioned that uh, global warming is coming. We need to do something. That was 30 years ago or something like that. Only now, companies they say, okay, we remove plastic. We remove single-use uh, amenities. We, we recycle water for irrigation. Ah, okay. So what about 30, for 30 years, you know, this was not relevant, was not important. So too little, too late, but better little and later than nothing at all. So that's, that's my take on that. And we need to do a lot more. I mean, this is too little, but uh, at least it's something. So hopefully we'll get into a, a more, more scalable solutions for the hospitality industry. Can you tell us more about My Humble House, your hospitality management company? Well, I'm very delighted that you asked me this question because uh, when I turned 50 two years ago, I decided to do something, something remarkable and something that possibly can leave a, a little dent in our little universe of hospitality. So because I'm, I'm an hotelier, I couldn't do anything else other than just uh, conceiving a 
hospitality concept or hotel concept in this case. So I started to work and I, I wrote a book, nearly 150 pages, you know, of literature about this concept. I spoke to about 200 people around the world, friends, colleagues, uh, C-level executives, uh, to give me their feedback. And everybody was uh, amazed. We were actually impressed about my work. Actually, I was more impressed than everybody else because I didn't know I was, I was actually that... <laughs> <laughs> that good at writing. And, uh, and I became more intrigued. So I did more investigation. I actually shaved a lot of things from this business plan to make it what it is today. So the idea basically is uh, fundamentally on three pillars. So the people working for my humble house will uh, receive the best salary and the best benefit uh, in the place where they will work. So if I work in Mexico, they will get the best salary and benefit uh, that there are in this country. Number two, the owners or developers, they are obliged to share a percentage of the net profit with the team members. I think that at the end of the day, people need money. But let's be honest, it's all good, well and good to give you a cake for your birthday, a day off of this, uh, when you have a new pet. Yesterday I was reading a company, they give you a day off if you buy or adopt a pet. I mean, it's, that's nice. <laughs> that's nice, but at the end of the day, I need to pay my bills. <laughs> okay, so... A percentage of the net profit needs to be, to be shared with all team members in equal part. And then the third, but not the last, is actually a 10% of the net profit is actually going to a fund that is not going to be touched by anyone. So it's going to be kept as an emergency fund. The kind of saving, you know, that I was mentioning earlier on in our conversation, where if for whatever reason we get into another pandemic, uh, a fire in the hotel, an explosion, you know, whatever. So we have some money at least that we can keep the staff and the company surviving for a period of time. We don't need to shut down. We don't need to remove all the team members because we have no more money. No, we need to be able to save enough money so that the staff can continue to work. And funny enough, I am uh, receiving a lot of uh, calls, messages, and invitation to talk about my humble house because I think it's something that can really make a difference nowadays. So I'll keep you posted on my development for sure. Thanks, Rocco. Can you describe my humble house as a disruptor? I mean, we talk about this term. Do you think it's a, a disruptor for the industry, these kinds of ideas? Maybe from a concept point of view, it's not going to be a disruptor because our hotel is going to be a hotel. You know, I'm not, gonna, not going to claim that I created a new brand. No, the company or the concept as such is going to be the same. But the business model, yes, it is a disruptor. There's no company that I know of that actually work under this condition. And th there is no management contract that obliged the owner to keep money aside for emergency or share their profit with the team members. So if somebody is doing it, I will be very happy and I will clap my hands for them because uh, at least somebody is hearing me. The hospitality industry has gone through some major disruption since the COVID pandemic. What, in your opinion, has the industry learned from this major global challenge? Or have they learned anything? Nothing. <laughs> I'm afraid, Cristal, they have learned absolutely nothing. Because guess what? Since the past uh, four or five months, of the, since the beginning of the year, what do I keep hearing from Marriott, from Accor, from Hilton, from Intercontinental, and you name all the big companies? We broke all the records. We achieved already occupancy like 2019. GOP is growing, blah, blah, blah. You know, profit, 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 and more profit. 
I'm probably blacklisted by everyone by now, but frankly speaking, I'm okay with that. If they want to have a yes man, okay, there are plenty of yes men out there. I'm not that kind of yes man. Uh, and I feel sorry for the new people that they're going to join the industry. How can we give more power to small independent business rather than the big corporation? The corporation, they need to be there. They're, they're okay to be there. They're okay to make money and to make more profit. It's okay. But do they need to be so public about that? I don't know. I don't know if it's the right message that we want to, to share to the public and to the industry as well. What happened three years ago is already prehistory. It's already forgotten. It's already like nothing happened. We are happy. They're already opening champagne. They're already traveling like before. They're going for corporate retreat and all this. So what happened to the people that they lost their job? People that committed suicide because they had no money. Where are we, really? So this is really... It's hitting me really hard. You know, I just cannot stay silent for that. So thank you for giving me this platform. <laughs> On your LinkedIn profile, you mentioned helping hospitality businesses to foster an empowered and engaged workforce. Can you just tell us a little bit more about this idea and why it is so important? I actually learned this with one of the biggest corporations. In fact, it was Hilton. It was one of the workshops that I attended with Hilton. That's why I say corporations are great, because they teach a lot. So I cannot say that they're all bad. I'm just saying the way, the way they communicate their achievements is sometimes is too material. But, you know, I went through a workshop with them and it was great because I learned actually how to be able to break walls, break silos, and actually bond people together because differences actually make perfection. And that's where I decided to put this uh, this couple of words, this phrase into my summary, because I want to continue to do that. You know, I learned and he changed my life. He changed the, the business unit I was working in at the time. He changed the team dynamics at the time. And the business was doing so great. You have no idea when people work together, how much more can be achieved. So yes, I want to continue to do that. And I thank Hilton for teaching me this. Rocco, what advice would you give to a young person today who is interested in working in the hospitality or tourism field? Well, first I will give myself an advice if I was 20 years old today. Just do exactly what you did. I will repeat my life over and over again. I'm, I'm so happy of my choice and you know, I will recommend anyone to actually work in this industry because it teaches you priceless skills that you, you can apply in life, personal, professional, with people, with teams, with companies, whether it's a small company or, or a large corporation. But to the younger audience that is listening to us today, I would uh, tell them to see, read through the lines. Okay? Don't, don't just get attracted by what is in front of the image or the reputation of a company. Dive deeper, question why certain things are done in a certain way. Don't look just at the today opportunity, look at the long-term opportunities that you will get in the industry. I know that the eagerness and the need for achievement for younger people is obviously a lot more than when I was young. I'm still ambitious today, but those, day, those days are gone. Nowadays, people want something now and immediately. So be patient. Take the time to understand how best you can apply what you learn over a period of time. So if you're only 20, 21, you know, what do you worry? You still have another 50, 60 years to, to leave. So don't rush for things. Thank you so much, Rocco, for joining us today and for sharing your experiences and your insights into the hospitality field. Thank you again. 
It's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed the talk as much as I did. Today's episode is being sponsored by Swiss Hospitality Guild. SHG is a training center created to meet the strong demand for specialized hospitality staff. This training concept was born from the experience and expertise of its founder, Egidio Marcato. Egidio has become a reference in the world of hospitality coaching and has had success stories in skills championships, including Swiss skills, Euro skills, and world skills, as well as the AICR World's Best Receptionist Competition. Contact SHG at www.swisshospitalityguild.com.